Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. This is what Holy Scripture says. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold. And a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So before I came to this church, I worked with youth and kids at a sister church, and I often gave instructions for new games. And one of the things that I observed as I gave instructions for new games is that among children, there are always different types of listeners. For example, there would often be a few kids who just weren't listening at all. And when the game started, they would have no idea what to do. And then there would also be a couple of kids who really seemed to be listening to the instructions. They would nod their heads and look right at you. 
But when the game started, they were just asking you for the instructions once again. And to be honest, that was me growing up. <laughs> and then there would be the kids who listened. And they played the game for a little while. But then they got bored. They got distracted by their friends. They just, just didn't really like the game that much. And they just sat down at the side. Then there would be the kids who would actually listen to what I had to say. And they would compete by the rules, they would play the game, and often they would win the game. Just like there are different types of listeners among children, Jesus says here there are also different types of listeners of God's word. There are both careful listeners and careless listeners of God's word. Whether or not children listen to a game isn't really that important. But whether or not you listen to God's word is very important. You want to make sure that you are a careful listener who listens to and obeys all that Jesus tells you to do. Jesus' parable of the soil has been written for us so that we may ask a question, that you may ask a question. What type of listener am I? What type of soil am I? What type of listener are you? I'll be looking at the actual parable of the soils in verses 3 to 9 and 14 to 20. But before I look at that, I want to briefly explain verses 1 to 12. In Mark 4, Jesus teaches thousands of people. As he teaches them, he chooses to teach in parables. A parable is simply a story that illustrates a spiritual truth. As he tells his parable, he repeatedly warns them to listen carefully. Look in verse 3. He says, listen, behold. Then in verse 9, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He really wants his audience to listen to him. In verses 10 to 12, Jesus' closest disciples come to him and ask him about the parables. King Jesus says that his close disciples have been revealed the secrets of the kingdom of God. On the other hand, he also explains that he is speaking in parables so that only those who sincerely listen to him will understand. The main message of the first 12 verses is that you must listen to King Jesus. You must listen to King Jesus. And after Jesus tells his followers to listen to him, he then explains that the parable is about the destinies and the fates of the different types of listeners. The parable can be split into two main sections. The explanation of the first three soils can be summarized as a listen, as a lesson, to avoid the tragedy of the careless listeners. The fourth soil is a lesson to desire the triumph of the careful listeners. So the first thing you can learn in the text from verses 14 to 19 is to avoid the tragedy of the careless listeners. There's a genre of literature called tragedy. Tragedies often involve the sad downfall of a main character whose own character flaw brings about their ruin. 
A compelling tragedy serves as a warning to the hearers to avoid the flaws of the characters. Jesus' explanation of the first three bad soils functions much like a tragedy does. It provides a warning for those who seek to listen to God's word. The parable starts with a sower who sows a seed. The sower is the one who sows the word of God. Jesus is speaking of himself, but he's also speaking of all Christians who faithfully preach and faithfully tell others about Jesus. The word of God represents the gospel and all of Christ's teachings. The focus of the parable is not primarily on the sower. It is actually on the different types of soils and the responses to the seed. It is, a ta- it is the same type of seed, God's word, that is sown to each soil. It is the soils that are different. It is the listeners that are different. Jesus explains that each of the four different types of soils refer to a different type of listener to God's word. As we get into this text, there are a couple of theological questions that arise. The first one is this. Which of these soils are Christians? Some would argue that the second, the third, and the fourth hearer are all Christians. They would say that if you profess Jesus with your mouth, you can live as you want, even if that involves a continual life of terrible sin. But the Bible says that it is only the hearer who bears fruit that is the Christian, who will gain eternal life. The second and third hearers should be referred to as false professors. They have made false professions and the lack of fruit in their life has shown that they were actually never Christians to begin with. Why do I think that? Well, for the first three hearers, they all hear God's word one time. But the fourth hearer is someone who is presently hearing the word, receiving it, obeying it, and then bearing fruit. Throughout scripture, obedience to Jesus Christ is a key evidence that someone has truly repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus. The Apostle John says in 1 John 3, 9, whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he, God, is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. We believe that it is faith alone that makes someone justified in God's sight. But if that person is a genuine Christian and the Holy Spirit is actually in their life, that person will bear good works and good fruit. A Christian who consistently and regularly produces no fruit is inconceivable. Just as an apple tree produces, cannot produce bananas, A Christian cannot consistently produce bad fruit. Some would also state that the second and third hearers in this parable lost their salvation. They were Christians, but then they lost it. But Jesus says in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them from my hand. 
If you are truly a Christian, you can never lose your salvation. So what do we make of those who fall away? Well, John the Apostle again says in 1 John 2.16, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they're all not of us. He is saying that those who fall away prove that they were never truly Christians to begin with. R.C. Sproul, speaking of salvation, said, if you have it, you never lose it. And if you seemingly lose it, you never had it. With all that being said, let us look at the first tragic listener in verse 15. This is the immediate rejecter. Don't be the immediate rejecter. Don't be the immediate rejecter. In verse 4, Jesus says, And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Jesus then explains this saying in verse 15. He says, And these are the ones who are along the path, where the word is sown when they hear. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. These are those who are told the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've heard it, but they say, no thank you. The soil is packed hard ground that is not receptive to the seed of God's word. The immediate rejecter's heart is like a brick that immediately rejects God's word. Certainly we know that God by his spirit is the one who opens a heart. But the, spirits, but the, but the hearer still actively hardens their own hearts and is personally responsible for their careless listening. What hardens this hearer's hearing so much? It may be hardened by things like a love of sin, a fear of the disapproval of family and friends, or a self-righteous pride that refuses to admit the need for a savior. And as the seed of the word is proclaimed, their ears and their hearts are like a stone that doesn't accept the message of God's word. But there's another character in the story. It is Satan. He's the great adversary of God's people. And it says that he immediately comes down and takes away the word. Satan is constantly trying to oppose God and his people. And notice that in this passage, Satan's, gospel, Satan's, Satan's goal is to remove the gospel message from someone's heart before it can be planted and bear fruit. Notice that it is both the hearer and Satan who are responsible for the rejection. The hearer's careless listening and hard heart gives an opportunity for the devil to take away the gospel seed that has been spoken. In the sport of football, a coach will teach a running back to hold on to the ball very, very tightly. Because if they don't, a defender will come and will knock away the ball. Satan spots when the gospel message is not being received securely 
and seeks to knock it out of your, uh, your ears and your hearts. For those of you who are not Christians, have you ever considered that Satan is seeking to stop you from believing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Just like Satan whispers into the ears of Eve, telling her to just eat the fruit, he whispers into your ear too. He might say things like, it just can't be true. So many people don't believe it. Or why don't you just delay it for another week? Or don't do this. What will your family think? Or nobody can know what truth is. Satan wants you to be judged by God and eternally suffer. He doesn't want you to know the one true and living God. He doesn't want you to be rescued from your sins. So he is constantly trying to distract you and prevent you from thinking about the gospel and responding to the gospel. But the Lord is stronger than Satan. Jesus Christ defeated Satan by dying on the cross for the sins of men and women and being raised from the dead. He paid for the sins of God's people so that Satan could never, ever accuse them again. And if you turn in faith toward Jesus Christ, he is more than able to save you too. He is a lovely savior who delights to save. And if you come to him, he, he will accept you with open arms. He will forgive you of all your sins. But you must come. Why delay another day? Maybe you're saying someday, someday, maybe later. But friend, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. If you trust in Jesus and repent of your sins today, you can go from being under the judgment of God to being completely forgiven of all your sins. So come to him today. Many of you here today who are Christians once rejected God's gospel, but God in his mercy saved you. He cleansed you. He, pur he purified you. And if you are not a Christian, no matter whether you have rejected the Lord in the past, he can save you too today. He can trust. You, you can trust in him. So trust in the Lord today and repent of your sins and he will save you. So far, we have seen that the first tragic figure is the immediate rejecter. The second tragic figure is the quitter. So don't be a quitter. In verse 5, Jesus says this about the second seed. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered. Jesus then explains this in verse 16. He says, and these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. When I was in high school, we would, somehow, we would sometimes have these long-distance runs. And there'd be those who would sprint to the front of the pack right away. 
But as the run went on, they would fall behind. And then they would quit. They were not prepared for the rigors of long-distance running. In verse 16, Jesus speaks of some who start the race, but as trials come, they fall away. This is the person who has heard the gospel in church or from a friend, and he receives it with joy. He may even have a serious zeal and passion for God, or at least it appears that way. But then a trial and pers- or persecution comes, and they fall away. Is the reason that they fall away because of the persecution or the trial? Certainly that looks like the reason. But the real reason is that they had no depth of soil or root. Their hearing had been superficial. A trial or tribulation comes on account of the word, and they quit. This has been happening for generations. Around 100 AD, a Roman official named Pliny was charged with enforcing the Roman Empire's persecution of Christians. He spoke of some who first said they were Christians, then denied it, insisting they had been, but were so no longer. And to prove their loyalty to the Roman Empire in front of Pliny, they would worship the image of an idol and curse the name of Christ. Thankfully, we are not treated in this country as Christians were in the Roman Empire. But there is an increasing opposition and hostility to the Christian faith. Perhaps you have made a profession of faith, but you sense increasing opposition to your faith and you just want to give up. Maybe you are making little compromises to your faith in the workplace. Or perhaps you want to walk away because your family is being hostile to you believing and you just want to fit in. Or maybe you're discontent with your lot in life. It seems as if everyone is getting married and you're not. And you're ready just to give up. Or maybe you have brought into, bought into a prosperity gospel that says a Christian's life ought to be filled with sunshine and roses. Friend, remember that Jesus Christ suffered so that you will also suffer. But, but if you've truly believed in him, One day you will no longer suffer and you will have everlasting life. So friend, hold fast to your confession. If you begin to compromise your faith or deny the gospel in front of others, know that Jesus can still forgive you. Just as he forgave Peter, he can forgive you too. Friend, hold fast to the confession you have made. Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved. If you leave, you can have no assurance that you're a Christian or that you ever were a Christian. For the Christian, a saying like this can bring anxiety. How can I know if I will obey Jesus when persecutions come? Well, if you are hearing and obeying Jesus now, you will will listen and obey Jesus then. 
If you're hearing and obeying God's word in the little things of life, you can be assured that God will give you his spirit and help you endure when trials, hardships come. So far, you have seen that you ought not to be like the first two tragic figures, the immediate rejecter, the quitter. This text also tells you that there's a third tragic figure, and this is the world lover. Don't be a world lover. In verse 7, Jesus says that other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. In verse 18, Jesus explains this saying by saying this. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They're those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. The seed grows up, but then thorns surround it and suffocate it. Many of us have known people that fit this description to a T. Some of these people are our friends. They are family members, our former fellow church members. They saw what the world offered and they liked it more. And it breaks our hearts and we pray for them, we weep for them, and we plead with them and we ask them to come back. But you also shouldn't be surprised. Jesus is saying here that some who initially follow Jesus will leave the faith because of a love for this present world. Paul names a coworker of his, Demas, who left him because he was in love with this present world. It is, it is very easy to think that this world is so attractive, that this world has everything uh, that is so attractive, and, and this world and everything in it is very attractive, it could be all-consuming at times. There are so many pressures, cares, concerns, riches, and things in this world that threaten to distract you from listening and obeying Jesus. What are these thorns exactly? These are the things that occupy the attention of everyone else in our world. These are the things that the world lives for. They're the things of the here and now. And for this seed, these thorns are all coming from different angles, but they have the same purpose, to choke out the word. The first thorn is the care of this world. These could be good things, cares, can also be translated as anxieties. Maybe it is an overwhelming concern and anxiety for your family to pay the bills, to do your work excellently, to make sure that everyone is fed and out the door each day. Good things that every Christian must attend to. But for the third hearer, these things become all-consuming. They become everything to them. It is what they live for. The second thorn is the deceitfulness of riches. You live in a materialistic society. 
You are constantly bombarded with messaging that says, if only I had that car, if only I had that house, if only I had that cottage, if only I had that fill in the blank, I'd be happy. But you can't take a car, a house, or a cottage with you to heaven. Jesus says riches are deceptive. Why are they deceptive? The riches make you feel as if you're secure, comfortable, and happy. This is probably one of the reasons why so many in Canada have begun to reject Christianity more and more. The wealthier, the wealthier you get, the more independent you get, the more self-reliant you get, the more willing you are to rely on the Lord. But all good gifts come from the Lord. A question for those of you who have professed faith. Has the desire for riches or riches themselves choked out the word in your life and stopped you from listening and obeying God's word? This may be a sign that you are not a Christian and that you need to repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The last thorn that Jesus mentions is the desire for other things. These things often distract us from the beauty of Jesus. Last summer, I was in, in, in an island in Greece, and we were driving through these beautiful mountains, and there were oceans all around us. It was just picturesque. And of course, I was on my Kindle reading a book, and I remember a hand came and swatted the Kindle out of my hand and told me to look up. It may have been Chloe's hand. <laughs> I was so focused on my book that I could look at at any time that I was missing the beauty all around me. The third hearer is so distracted with this present world that they're missing the tremendous beauty of Jesus Christ. And this really sums up each of the careless listeners. Somewhere along the line, they've begun to listen to competing voices. And each of these voices downplayed the glory, the beauty, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. But what makes their plight so tragic is that Jesus Christ is the one who offers so much more. He is so much more beautiful than anything this world can offer. Jesus Christ is your maker. He made you and he formed you. Jesus Christ provides you with all the good things in life and you take that he's the provider for granted. More than that, Jesus Christ offers his life for yours. He is a lovely savior and a precious Lord. Nothing in this world is more important and more precious than him. So if you're walking a path that leads towards the world and away from Christ, Remember Jesus Christ. Remember his blameless life. Remember his precious death. Remember his victorious resurrection. Remember the promises that he's given you in his spirit. Remember that he will come and judge all people everywhere. Jesus Christ is so much more magnificent than, and awesome than any pleasure that this world can offer. Do you believe that? 
So far, you have seen that Jesus wants you to carefully listen to him and to avoid the tragedy of the careless listeners. These listeners are the immediate rejecter, the quitter, and the world lover. Jesus also wants you to desire the triumph of the careful listener. He wants you to desire the triumph of the careful listener. This is in verse 20. The fourth soil, the fourth listener, is different. It is not a tragedy, but a triumph. In verse 8, the text reads, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Jesus says of this soil in verse 20, But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This here is the Christian. This represents the hearer of the gospel who has truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one who hears the word, accepts the word, and bears fruit. Each of these actions are in the present tense. They didn't just hear the word once, accept the word once, and bear fruit once, but they continue to hear, accept, and bear fruit. The Christian receives the gospel message, and that gospel message is planted deep into the roots of their heart, and it affects every area of their life. It produces a harvest of fruit. This is the fruit of obeying Jesus, and it has a huge impact on the kingdom. They have heard the gospel, responded to it, and lived lives of holiness and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. The living spirit of God has changed their lives. And they're bearing the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And praise God that so many of you here today can be described by this fourth soil. By God's grace, you have repented of your sins. You have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are bearing much fruit. Notice that the amount of fruit varies. Some produce 30-fold, others 60, and others 100. Not all Christians are going to bear the same amount of good works and the same amount of fruit. But all Christians will bear fruit. So does this soil describe you? Are you bearing fruits in your life? Are you growing more and more? This account of the fourth soil also produces hope for your evangelism. As you evangelize, as you evangelize more and more and get rejected again and again, it is so easy to lose hope. But remember that God has promised that some will be the good soil. Some will be saved. So keep on preaching. Keep on telling your neighbors about Jesus. Keep on telling your coworkers and your families about Jesus. Jesus promised some will believe and will bear fruit. These hearers are the ones who triumph in the end. They have avoided the tragedies of so many others. And Christ says of them on that final day, well done, good and faithful servant. In the grand scheme of life, 
it isn't that important whether or not someone listens to the instructions of a game. Unless the game actually is a difference between life and death. In that case, you would certainly listen to the instructions of that game. And that's what is at stake for you as you listen to God's word. This is the difference between eternal life and eternal death. So listen and obey Jesus and make sure that you are that fourth soil. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would apply your word. I pray that your spirit would save some who don't truly know Jesus. I also pray that it would give comfort and assurance to some who are listening and obeying you. Father, we pray that you may work mightily in our midst. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.